coming up on Just Elders Podcast. There's no greater independent pod out right now. Permission to okay. speak freely. All right. And so let's talk about the music. I was raised in a gay household. When I got 18, I ran, you know, 18 years old, but then I got pregnant at 19. But with Short all of run. that, <laughs> <laughs> and I did, like I told you, I promised myself I was going to do it one time and I won't do it again. But for me, for one, me, can I get uh, one shot, please? <laughs> yes. Can I get one puff, please? So. <laughs> women, young women. They have to learn how to co-parent. I don't see money. I don't want to talk to him. Right. But see, the problem is, that's the problem. Now, that's the problem. And he was on the other side of midnight. What you mean? Well, said that thing in between your legs, (laughs) if he wanted everybody to have it, He'd put it on your shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> if you go around bumping all day, back head bouncing. Stories matter, man. Right. Experiences matter. Uh, black voices matter. I'm cool with brother giving us opinion on brothers because you a brother, you understand the brother experience. But then when you start leaning over to the sisters, I'm like, ah, I, I want to hear from them. And I'm so proud of you. Thank you. That's right. I saw you when you didn't have a lock anywhere. (laughs) 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 One day I looked under the bedroom, the crack under the door. (laughs) Your bed. (laughs) (laughs) Period. You don't do that. Those were fighting words. As far as I'm concerned, I am actually uh, um, a victim of being. Uh, back in the day, if you waited till you were 30, you were considered an old maid. Oh, that's still the You had to get married. Actually, I met him when I was two months pregnant. Oh, you a bad mother child. Oh, let, me do, let me just put this out there. You a bad, you a bad, and you fucking. <laughs> I see. I was in the package store, and I was. Uh, <laughs> so I was. <laughs> he was nineteen years younger. I'm not telling y'all all the rest of that. <laughs> Find out the rest on Patreon. <laughs> Subscribe to Patreon. <laughs> Give some advice to the sisters now. <clears throat> ready? Born ready. It's Wednesday. <clears throat> it's time for your favorite podcast, the favorite podcast. Today I got a good one, y'all. We're coming in to the queen because I got some beautiful black queens in the building. This is only for grown women right here. This is the grown Man, woman episode. Stop playing with me. What? Hey, do me a favor. Turn this up. Just ride with me for a minute. Tell your mama, mama, and your cousin, cousin, your auntie, auntie to turn it up. The Just Other Podcast is on. Hey. 
What it is, y'all? What it is? Hey, can y'all believe Aretha was not on the streaming platforms for a minute? She's back. What it is? What it is? This is what it is. We're going to do it just like this. What's up, family? It's your boy, Eldridge. You are tuning to the Just Eldridge podcast, the hottest podcast to ever hit the airways. I am super excited. We are about to record the greatest episode we have ever recorded. I say it every time, and I mean it every single time. Round of applause, round of applause. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you to each and every last person that tuned in to last week's episode. As always, it is good vibes. It's good energy. Um, I love what we're doing here. I love my team. I love my fans. Um, speaking of fans, I got a review. I want to read real fast before we get started. Um, this review says, you can't miss an episode. That's the title of the review. There's no greater independent pod out right now. Not only do these guys find a way every week to keep us entertained, I am blown away by their efforts to uplift inspire and authentically share their own truths every guest on the show brings new light and something to discuss at the dinner table this is one of one round of applause please round of applause please i mean this is this is episode 172 you know so i am proud to say for 172 weeks in a row we have brought y'all authentic, real content for the people. And uh, we ain't going to stop. Today is going to be even better. Um, if you know, back in the day, we used to always talk about how we get our subjects. And we used to say the pod guys would bless us with subjects to talk about. And um, if y'all remember, episode, um, I believe that was 170, um, Old Black Man Energy. <laughs> That's what it was. Oh. Old Black Man Energy was the name of the episodes with Brother Jihad. And Shout was, out, Brother Jihad. Brother Jihad, Brother we Jihad. love you, we love you, brother. Yes, but, you know, he was just very opinionated. You know what old, you know what old men do? You know, very opinionated old man and just giving us all his opinions. And I'm cool with Brother giving us opinion on... Grumpy. On, yeah, grumpy. <laughs> I'm cool with Brother giving us opinion on brothers because you a brother, you understand the brother experience. But then when you start leaning over to the sisters, I'm like, right. <laughs> I, I want to hear from them. And I want to hear specifically from sisters of his era. You know what I'm saying? We hear from the young ladies all the time. And I I feel like we don't give our seasoned queens enough platforms to talk that talk. And uh, that's what this is today. So if you are on YouTube, you see these two beautiful, lovely guests. I'm about to invite them on the microphone Damn. right now. I do want to say thank y'all. Y'all didn't even say nothing. Most folk be on the mic just talking. Y'all waited for me to bring y'all on. See, y'all, y'all pie. Perfect guest. Professional. 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 Um, I'm going to start uh, left to right. This first young lady, man. Where do I begin? Pre-locks. Uh, when I first moved. I ain't had locks when I first met you. I first moved to uh, Georgia. Matter of fact, I was living with Mr. Griffin. Not made man. <laughs> made, made man. <laughs> Reynolds Town. The maid organization, I'm in Reynolds Town. There's a community center in Reynolds Town. And if you wanted to do anything at that uh, community center, you had to talk to the queen. And the queen is sitting right here. It's Miss Jean Hudley, one of the most hardest working, committed sisters to our people, specifically our young men. The founder, CEO, creator of Boys to Men, 
now rebranded Boys to Men and Girls to Win. Y'all give it up to Miss Jean Hudley. How you doing, baby? I'm doing fine, Eldridge. Thanks so much for having me. Um, I appreciate this opportunity, and I'm so proud of you. Thank you. That's right. I saw you when you didn't have a lock anywhere. (laughs) 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 Yeah, so um, I'm happy to be here and and hope that I can share something with our audience that could help take them to the next level. I believe that. I believe that. Thank you. Thank you. Next, next to the microphone, uh, this young lady, you know, we say you meet some people and you have kindred spirits. Feel like we've known each other for a long time. And it hasn't been that long, but it feels like it's been forever. Um, we were headed to South Africa, the DB Africa trip, and uh, we had to do something with it. Was a whole bunch of hoops you had jumped through with COVID nineteen and your vax uh, cards and stuff. And I was just helping people get their stuff together. Met this sister, and she said she's coming on a trip. Good personality, good energy, and it's my job. I said, look, it's my job to make sure you have a good time. If you don't have a good time, it's my fault. And we had a blast on that trip. So we was in South Africa, Cape Town, Johannesburg, all over. Um, this is my new friend, also a community advocate, has an amazing organization. Uh, we recently just did some work together a few days ago, helping the family. Uh, y'all give it up for my very, very beautiful, intelligent friend, Miss Alicia Washington. Thank you, I appreciate the fact that you allowed me to come on to this show, and I pray that I'm able to give some of my wisdom uh, to some of the people concerning the things that we've been through. Yeah, we definitely gonna get it to it. But look, I'm gonna tell y'all now. I don't want all we. This is like how we talk. Y'all know we friends now. So right. don't, don't get all off. All right. Thank you for the opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want none of that today. Indubitably. I don't want to have a real comment. And we're going to talk about everything. So uh, let's get to it. Uh, I'll start with you, uh, Miss Jean. Where you from, man? Uh, talk to me about the genesis. Where you from? Well, I'm from New York City. New York in the building. New York. You lost your accent. Kept your attitude. Though. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm from New York City, born in Harlem Hospital, raised in the Bronx. Nice. And I've been here 40 years. Nice. I bought my three kids here. Um, and happy to be here. Um, it was a transition. Hmm. Um, it was... A, a, a stepping out of the box movement. Right. And um, I'm glad that I did it. You know, I realized as I matured that God does things his own way. And I thought I was coming here to give my kids a better chance at life. And I don't think that that was wrong, but I think the bigger picture was to help somebody, and and boys to men uh, evolved out of that move. Nice. Now, married, unmarried? Uh, I am single. You're single. Okay, cool. Were you ever married before? Yes, I've been married three times. What? Watch that. No, you about to bring some game. You young girl struggling to get one time. <laughs> so, 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 <laughs> the ring snatcher. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. 
No, I, I, I've never had any problems getting married. Um, it's um, we gonna bottle that and sell that right there. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, uh, selecting the right spouse, and I think um, I think you really have to live a while before you know about making correct choices. Right. In a relationship, I don't think it's anything that you learn early on. I think that um, when two people come together, they they have to be willing to do what it takes to stay together. Right. And everybody's not willing to do that. And so then you have to learn how to be alone. Hmm. And I've learned how to do that. I'm still learning. <laughs> I'm still learning. At least we're gonna go to you. Where you from, baby? Kids, all that. I'm originally from Chicago. Um, I've been here since oh, 1999. I actually was born and raised and raised my children in Chicago. Um, I oh, so you the five, real Chicago. Yeah, I have five children. I live. Normally, people will ask you what side of town do you live on. I've actually lived on all sides. I was born and raised on the south side, but I've lived on the west side, east side, not so much the north. But uh, that's why I raised my children. I didn't really come to Georgia wanting to come. Uh, actually, my brother got sick, and I wanted to relocate to take care of him. And it all transpired because I, I've only been married once. And I didn't marry anymore only because I had such a traumatic uh, experience from 19 to 27 that I went through a lot of different experiences where I just wasn't um, comfortable with just saying, um, I want to marry again and again. I had the opportunities to and had plenty of men to do it with. So I never oh, had talk that. that talk. <laughs> talk, talk that talk. Talk that talk. I never had a problem. I, I ain't I, lacking no niggas. I never had that problem. <laughs> Even if it was just what? one thing, that one thing is sexual. Well, let's be real. Okay, so I lived in an age of the 70s where sexuality was booming. You know, everybody know James Brown. It's your thing. Do what you want. You know, hot pants and all of that was real back then. So uh, one thing that... Uh, that's the era I lived in, naturals, you know, all of what you all do now, you know, we've been there, done that. And so, but, um, <laughs> so it's, uh, one side, my marriage did not work. Um, that was at age, about age 30, 31. By that time I had already had five kids and, um, I just turned my life to God because I, my experiences just really pushed me to my relationship with God. And from that point of age 30, 31, being a single mother, raising my children in Chicago, relocating to Atlanta in 1999, I've been here officially 22 years. Uh, out of that, I'll never forget when my brother was uh, sick, the Lord really revealed the organization, which I do have a nonprofit. It's uh, called the City of Hope Safe Haven. And it didn't come from me. It actually came from God and it came from my experiences. And I used to ask God all the time, why did I go through? What did I go through? What I went through, even though I went through them and I was victorious at the end of them, you still wonder why you went through it. If there was choices or whatever, you still trying to figure that out as you get older. But um, going for it, I did have the uh, organization and it was birthed through God. 
Um, my experiences birthed through that. And all the way up to now, I'm here. And um, I, I'm glad I'm here. I wasn't, didn't really want to be here because Chicago and Georgia just wasn't, day, it was like it's, night it's and day. day. Like, where is there somewhere to eat at 11 o'clock and 12 o'clock at night? Uh, nowhere but Waffle House, you know, uh, going down the street, driving down the street. <laughs> Driving down the street, no sidewalks, no lights. It was a it you was can't traumatic for me. You to Chicago. You got to do a night and day. I'm telling you, <laughs> it was night and day, and I wanted to go back. And because I'm obedient to what God says and have for me to do, I stayed. And I'm glad. I'm glad I did. It all worked out for not only for me but for my children also. That's what's up. Round of applause. Round of applause. Thank. First of all, I love how both of y'all one didn't necessarily intend to come here, but when you got here, you accepted your calling to help, you know what I'm saying, your people. That's a beautiful thing. Um, let's talk about something. You went, you said earlier, you were like, you come from that era, the seventies and, you know, James Brown and, you know, sexuality, natural. Y'all, everything we doing there, y'all been there, done that. Um, there's so many conversations that you hear. Ooh, just <laughs> like that. Y'all came from that area, right? there. Hey, 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 so, you know, this the era that I grew up listening to. I, I This all I know. But, like, what do y'all see the difference now? Because you just said it. That was the music back then. It was all about sexuality then. The music now is about sexuality. What do you see the difference between what's happening now and what y'all went through back then? You can play something. Where, where you going with it, Keith? See this this our high pants right here. <laughs> well for me. <laughs> so look, new young girls are doing it too. Look, 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 that's the high pants right there. Hey, 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 hey. What, all right, so let's, what's the difference? What's the difference now? Well, and, and let's have a real conversation because okay. y'all did it back then. Okay. We doing it now. What's the difference okay. between the young ladies? Because I ain't going to talk to the young lady. I'm going to let y'all talk to them. Okay. Um, <clears throat> permission to okay. speak freely. All right. And so let's talk about the music. Okay. Okay. The music um, focused on love songs and you know uh, uh there was some there was some sexual references um like um just let me make love to you baby mm-hmm. yeah. okay by the OJs that was one of my favorite songs that was your, that was your shit boy what <laughs> okay okay <laughs> however during that period of time, you did not hear vocalists referring to sexual acts. Mm. There was there was nobody talking about sucking on a wiener, you know, what a person's behind looked like. <clears throat> oh, no, they didn't do that. Even it's, Rick James? Listen, Rick James was an exception to the rule. <laughs> There's always an exception. Okay. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, women did not 
have their behinds up on the screen, maybe because there wasn't one at the time. <laughs> but they were doing it. But well, they they didn't do it the same way. No, sir. Okay. Um, women seem to have more respect for themselves during that period of time. There were some boundaries, some lines that were drawn. You did not see women walking down the street with their whole bosom hanging out. With their stomach, they even if they the stomach looked like they ten months pregnant, they still have a midriff top on, um, and a pair of shorts that has the cheeks or they behind hanging out. They accepted their body. Who is is that body positivity? Who I, who, I don't want to see it. Yeah, no, but this positive, I, I, but that, they want to accept the positive of their body. So they no, they need to accept themselves. Th- that's, the why body, put, that's why they put it their on. Their body, their body is only the physical. Mm, okay, Speaks they need to have some kind of mental acceptance of themselves, some kind of some kind of self respect of themselves. Now I want y'all to both answer this. Now you said women have boundaries and respect. Were there boundaries or were there just constraints? They couldn't do it. Did they well, want to do it and they couldn't? I don't I don't think that they wanted to do it. It wasn't anything that was um So you never felt in your timeline, both of y'all can answer that y'all never felt constrained by like social standards of women and how they should be based on what you wanted to do versus what you wanted to do. There are social standards everywhere in life. Right. Okay. So it didn't just happen then. You know, like, um, I'll give you an example. Um, I was raised in a gay household. My mother was gay. Okay. Okay. Now, my mother was the femme in the family. Okay. Okay. And femme for those, she was the feminine. She was the feminine. She was the lady. Okay. What's her? Her friend, her friend, um, was the butch. They called them butchers then. Butch, right. butchers. That was the common term. But they did not wear men's clothing. They didn't wear men's clothing. They did not dress like men. Oh, neither one of them? The no. femme nor the butch? No. Mm. No. They wore, the butch wore conservative clothing. You know, they still wore, they wore uh, maybe two-piece suits. They wore like the loafers, suits. yeah, mm, okay. or or skirts. Mm. They wore skirts. They didn't cut all their hair off. They weren't trying to look like a man because they weren't attracted to men. But did they want to do that? No, I don't believe so. Because I do remember, um, and I don't know how this happened, I do remember being around a party that they had mm-hmm. and the the butches still were very conservative. Right. Now, true enough, that true. wasn't a popular uh a lifestyle to live in the nineteen fifties or sixties. You didn't I you didn't imagine. walk around with a flag you know, and telling everybody that you were gay. I'm going to tell you something else. I never remember 
seeing my mother in the bed. Although they had a bedroom and the door was closed when they went in there. But I never remember seeing them in the bed. I never remember seeing them embrace. Embrace in any kind of way. And they were kissed in front of you. No, 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 no. Never, never. My mother. How you knew she was gay? Because I, well. her friend. Because one day I looked under the bedroom, the crack under the door. Your bed ass. And I don't know what made me look under there. And I really didn't understand what I was looking at because I was about 10. Mm. But I understood it later later on in life. Right, what it was. And, least, yeah. And, and ju- I just want to make one other point. My mother always said to me, I want grandchildren. Mm. She never pushed me to live the life that she lived. And she was very, again, uh, meticulous about the way she behaved as far as her friend was concerned in front of us, me and my sister. So um, that was my experience. Uh Alicia, what about you? What do you, um, did you see the, I guess the original question is like things that y'all did back then, behavior, was it because that's just what y'all wanted to do, or was it based off of these are constraints we had? Well, number one, I ran from the constraints. There were some, there were a lot. Like what? You know, um, I couldn't dance. I couldn't listen to the worldly music because I was brought up in a oh, Christian, Christian household. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. okay. Um, my mom brought us up in an African and Methodist Episcopal church. And so we went to church like seven days a week. I mean, y'all go to hell for everything. I mean, you know, like, so when I <laughs> made son of a preacher, 18, man. Gotcha. <laughs> when I got 18, I ran, you know, 18 years old. But then I got pregnant at 19. But with short all of run. that. <laughs> short, short run. God Very damn. short, okay. But uh, I was running on that actually. <laughs> I was always running from that. So for me, it was a lot of constraints in my family household. Um, rules, of course, things you don't do as a Christian young lady, right? So I ran from all of that. And I had one thing that I always said. I said, if I do it one time and never, ever do it again, I'm going to do it. And that was my mindset because I was in a household where we couldn't play in the front. You couldn't listen to the music like Aretha Franklin, Marvin Gaye, however, Maryland. I couldn't listen to any of that. So we were downstairs, me and my sisters and my brothers downstairs, just sneaking, always sneaking. So for me, I ran away from all of the things that controlled me. And I always considered my household as a controlling household, real strict, my household. Now, I thank my mother for the strictness that helped restrained me but it didn't keep me from going out there i did go out and i did like i told you i promised myself i was going to do it one time and i won't do it again but for me for one, me can uh, i get one shot please <laughs> yes can i get one puff please so <laughs> i uh as far as the clothing i was really out there with the clothing I have to. I have to admit that. And when I look what's at the out, girls, I, I'm sorry. I want to know what's <laughs> out there for y'all. I was say, what was out what there? Was out yeah. There? Well, pretty much you all have repeated everything that we did. Okay, like the midriffs. 
um, mm-hmm. short, short tops. Mm-hmm. We did that. Two piece. Um, um, two piece. Well, mm-hmm. at, the back bikinis. then they had, I think the, the, uh, the dresses were short and you, but the point of they had back then you had the little panties to match the dress. Okay. So they had the little, uh, uh, shorts that mm-hmm. would go up under him. So no matter how short it was, you even if you bent over, you still had the little shorts and mm. you could see that. Right. So they yeah, had a little bit more normal. class about yeah, what be, you be wore back then than what they're wearing now. <laughs> and so I have to say I was a little a lot wilder. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was a little wilder. Now one thing we never did, we never accepted the term bitch. Period. Not you could not, no, oh, period. No. You don't do no. that. Those no, no, were no, fighting no. words. Yeah. And right, that right, turns right. me off when I see young bitch. ladies <laughs> accept like, the term bitch. It just, no, we didn't play that. We didn't play that. We didn't that. And talk so, about so, your mama. So when did it, we didn't when play did it, that. When did it come in? Like, when did y'all first start hearing, like, hold on, everybody, the oh, young girls say that Well, first of all, I hear them really well all the time on the rap. The, the men would rap mm. and you hear mm. them refer to women yes. as bitches. Right. Mm. And so then it seemed like it streamed over to the women yeah. and the girls that now you have to accept the fact that you're called a bitch and accept it. So then I started mm. seeing girls having it on their butts, having it on their shirts and they're walking around proud of it. You mm. know, I'm a bitch. The yeah, I'm a bitch. I, that was never been, you know, disrespect for the women was still there. The, uh, the morality part, mm-hmm. it was there and it was firm. And so then, what, what what would they say back then instead of this? Or how was the disrespect? What was the, like, what was the okay? So if if a young man got mad with you mm-hmm. and you said something or did something that he didn't like, he'd call you. He he would call you out your name, a hoe, okay. a whore, or yeah, a bee, or a bee. And so those were fighting words. My point is, I never accepted that term for myself. Where the young ladies of today accept that as a, mm. a shining <laughs> metal yeah. on their dads. They wear it on their shirts. They, right. Yeah. Their shirts, their butts. I've seen it everywhere, you know. Yeah, and so that was right that now? was not something that we accepted. To- total disrespect for the woman. Total. And I don't accept it. You know, I watch it and everything. Now, as far as the dressing, I totally agree with her. Um, I had, uh, I did wear um, garments that uh that they're wearing now i've never been a big person so you know my stuff was always intact <laughs> so <laughs> so i just uh did it for attention and 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 you have to look at it until you learn to do better you're going to do what you see okay I, so, I, so i got a question i got a question and we both just got it at the same time this was yeah. over 17 episodes to do for you yeah, uh, so, what do you think y'all would do with social media back then? Because you just said you did it for attention. And you got to think about these young girls. Like, you did it for the attention. No, no. They tell us it's not for attention. We tell them it's clearly for attention. No, like, you're wearing a sheer shirt right. showing your nipples. Right. And you're telling me you're doing it because you so just right. want to? Right. You yeah. want some attention. You want some, right. we know, we know but that. I appreciate you saying, no, I put that on. For attention. Right. But so imagine, like, I can imagine it, you put it on, like, at any given day, right? You would, mm-hmm. you probably encountered what? Less than a hundred men? You know, mm-hmm. as far as just throughout your day wearing what you're wearing. Mm-hmm. Imagine hundreds and thousands of men 
giving you comments, mm. likes, yeah, at yeah. in in hours and seconds. You know what I'm saying? Right. What do you think that would have did? I'm about to y'all? say well, hours, me, minutes. I, yeah. I, that I story was posted um, a minute ago. Right. <laughs> I definitely would. Far as I'm concerned, I am actually a, um, a victim of being raped. So um, I would tell people, uh, young ladies, you know that that's not a good thing. You know, because the attention that you draw, you you can't control the con- attention that you draw. None of it is positive, okay? But a lot of times, the attention that they want, it all stems from their story. You'll never know why they do what they do and the reason why they do what they do until you hear their story, their background, what they were brought, how they were brought up, where's the father in their family, did their father tell them they're queens and king? You know, um, guys, did your dad tell you you're a king? You know, you this, that. You know, if you don't hear that, when you get out, then you want someone to tell you that in your ear. Was that and your so, experience? Um, yes, it was. My dad was an excellent uh, provider. Mm-hmm. But other than that, we had no relationship at all. Mm-hmm. You know, so I went out seeking attention, seeking for someone to tell me all of the things that I want to hear that I should have heard from my father. I got it. I got it. Um, what you, well, I wanted to ask you about your father. Cause you spoke about your mother and a friend. What, what about your father? What was your experience? I didn't meet him until I was 17 mm. and I had had my first child. I had him when I was 17 and my mom, I don't know. Um, all of a sudden, for some reason, she thought it was necessary for me to meet him. So she found him. And um, where he was at? Cross Street. Are you stupid? <laughs> <laughs> you know, back then they would say stuff like that. I heard a lot of stories. They were right up the street. <laughs> go find this nigga. <laughs> Your daughter out here. You so crazy, boy. <laughs> no, no. Um, actually. He was he was down in Harlem. I was in the Bronx. Ooh. And um, uptown. Yeah, I was uptown, mm. yeah. And he um it was crazy because when he came to the door, looking at him was like looking in a mirror. Wow. I I looked so much like him and we we must have stood there and cried about twenty minutes. We never did. It took us twenty minutes to get in the house. Um, and so it it was crazy. I mean, because they had this, their story also, you know, and, and I I was like, um, how do you, I don't understand how you have a child that you don't look for, you know, how, how do you conceive a child, know that they're, um, alive and don't look for them. But I learned through my own experience that women, whether you are heterosexual or gay and parents, they have a tremendous effect on why children don't have relationships with their fathers. That's a, uh, that's a take right there. You want to go deeper into that? Um, yes, sir. Uh, because a lot of women, uh, uh, because they don't make it with an individual, and generally, if it's not because of any kind of um, abuse against the child, okay, 
if they don't make it with a guy and they see that he goes on with his life and makes it with someone else, they resent it and they they come between them and their children. So their their feeling is is that because you didn't make it with me, um, I'm not going to allow you to have a relationship with your child, which is has been so damaging. <clears throat> so let me ask you this: What advice would you give uh, women, younger women during this time, how to navigate with quote unquote baby daddies? Because it sounds like baby daddy's been around, yes, since a long the fifties, sixties, long time. But right. you said something about being able to separate the two, saying like, "Hey, this right. is your child. This is your relationship." But right. how what, we have but, to but learn. What do you do when these guys say they're not taking care of the children, or not paying the child support, not doing what the system is requiring them to do? Well, I think I think that is a twofold issue. Okay, because I think that um, women, young women. They have to learn how to co-parent. I mean, they have to they have to be willing to sit down with the father of their children and talk about ways they can make this a successful rearing um, experience. Okay, I'm not sitting down with him until he sends some money. Yeah. I don't see money. I don't want to talk to him. Right, but see, the problem is that's the problem. Now, that's the problem, because what a lot of uh, young people don't understand is that a child, a child wants a relationship with their father. And we have to learn how to build relationships, Mm -hmm. and then there won't be a problem about getting any money. But if you're just asking for money... And you don't you don't want a relationship with me and my child or for me and my child. That is part of that's the elephant in the room. It's like extortion. Yes. Mm, mm. That that that's what it is. Mm. I like that. I like that. Yeah, man. Um can we talk about um both of y'all said y'all been married. The process of getting married back then versus now. Um, you you hear it's twofold. Let me just say this: we do hear a lot of millennials now are getting married. Um, the tide is turning, and we're starting to hear a little bit more of that. But you also hear a lot of us say the dating process is horrible. It's trash, especially here in Atlanta. And getting married, but getting married later, you know, right after the thirties, thirty, thirty-five, mm-hmm. right, even closer to forty. So it sounds like y'all for the first marriage. So it sounds like you got married pretty early uh, in life. Nineteen, you said. No, I got pregnant at nineteen. I got married at age twenty-seven. Okay. But uh, back in the day, if you waited till you were thirty, you were considered an old maid. You had to get married. That's still true today. Now, that's still true today, too, but it's, it's a different. So you progressively were doing what you had to do to make sure you didn't hit that 30 mark, you know, so that they won't call you an old maid. But, but, but speak right? to it, though. Outside of being an old maid, what else? What made you an old maid? Well, no, not made, well that was just maid. the terminology that they just yeah, used. Yeah, not, not made your old maid, but, like, why was it so Important crucial? for you to yeah, marry between? Mm-hmm. I don't know. That was 
the way that they thought back then. I think because even in the South, they were getting married. And I just found out as I started getting older and mingling with my older aunts and stuff, they were getting married at teenagers, like 15, 16, 17 years old. I actually were playing with them. They were married to someone. And I did not know they were teenagers, just like they were pretty much still kids. And they were married, you know. And so I guess because of that, the the way they were, you know, the way it was back then, mm-hmm. when you got to be 30, that was an over-the-hill thing, you know. So I'm just speculating because I wasn't forced to do it like that. But um, for me, marriage only came because of I, I got saved at that time. And I no longer wanted to live that lifestyle, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and that's what pushed me because the, the Bible already had two children out of wedlock. So uh, the one at 19 and the other one at uh, 25. So when I got saved, which my experiences pushed me also to come to a certain place in my life that I needed to make some solid decisions about my life moving forward. And uh, when I got saved and and that's so important because when I told you I went to church all week long, <laughs> um, it didn't play, the church didn't really play a lot, but having Jesus in my life did, you know, so the Bible does teach you train up a child in the way that he should go so that when he gets older, that he will not depart from it. Right. So whatever parts that they taught me in church, which I felt like they weren't as effective as I I thought, because Jesus was just like somebody in a storybook. Like he does not know what I'm going through right now. You know, I'm going through this situation. What does he know about this? You know, like that's back in the day. And that's how I looked at him. But as time went on and I went on with my experiences, uh, I began to look at him in a whole different light. So I gave my life to the Lord at 27, only because the Bible says it's better to marry than to burn. So I knew I didn't want to cut out sex, bottom line. I just knew I didn't want to do that. You know, so the next thing to do is to do the right thing, and that was to marry. And so that's how I got to that dividing point of marriage versus. So for me, that's why I married well, I at 27. Married. Mm-hmm. So um, one, I can relate. Um, to growing up in the church. And I think the difference is when you... How about I say Miriam? <laughs> nah, nah. I'm just saying... <laughs> I've been burning for a long time. <laughs> hey, but look. So, so Miriam... Uh, Marrying, I mean, go, doing church when you're young and when you grow up, it's like mm-hmm. you do church is something you do. Do you just do? You didn't right. really have the relationship. relationship when you get no. older, you start to understand. Oh, mm-hmm. this is what they mean when they that say, "If it had not mm-hmm. been right. for the Lord by my side," you know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> right. Right. Now that makes sense. I, I appreciate right. those experiences, though. Like, yeah. like, like you said, mm-hmm. it plants those seeds. Yeah, it's seeds. It's seeds. Right. Your it mom, seed. your grandma, right. being those praying women That's for right. you. That's right. Praying. Somebody but, prayed but for you, and it's always that. You know, it's the seed. Right. Life is the experiences. Is the rain. Because sometimes rain feels bad. You know what I'm saying? Right. That's the rain. And those prayers of the sunshine, they and keep rain. it, make it all go together. So I definitely understand <laughs> you what you say. I grew up in the church, but I got saved at 27. I get that. How old were you when you first got married? Uh, your first husband, the first lucky winner. <laughs> um, Actually, I met him when I was two months pregnant mm. with, with uh, my eldest son. And, um, you know, I told him right away. 
Oh, you a bad mama John. Let me let me just put Look. this out. <laughs> you a bad you a bad mama. <laughs> I thought it was on Friday look, that little, When I met I her She not, had a little bump I, I ain't say nothing <laughs> <laughs> Hey look Now you know Everybody know I'm down to be a stepdad But I gotta at least Meet the kid first <laughs> You know what You know what <laughs> Oh lord Elder Hush You know that Alright right, boom So you meet him You know what I'm saying You're like Yeah Oh uh, sh- don't worry about this, you know, a <laughs> few more months. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> All right, keep going. We're good to go. Keep going. No, uh, but when I met um, Irvin, he, um, you know, I, I told him right away. And he was like, what's, what's yours is mine. What's mine is yours. And we what did married you meet him? on the beach. I was about to say, what you had on? <laughs> <laughs> A two-piece bathing suit. Okay, you you out there sunbathing? And was that was that normal? Was that just the brothers' movement back then, or was Irv a, a, a different cat? He was um, he was a, a different kind of guy. Actually, I had seen Irvin when I was like twelve. And we lived in the same neighborhood in the Bronx. And we had the apartment that I lived in with my parents. The windows were all on the front of the building. So I would be looking out the window and I would see this guy coming down the street. And I would say, ooh, you so is fine. And I was 12. 12 I was 12. How old was looking you? Looking at, at Irvin was... Um, about nine years older than me. Okay. He's okay. about nine years old. I get it now. And so, um, so when I met him on the beach, I was like, ooh, I'm 17 now. <laughs> I'm 17 now. And you fucking. <laughs> I see. <laughs> Why you say it like that? Uh, uh, <laughs> and you making love. You making love, baby. You putting on your hot pants. He's so, <laughs> he's so ugly. Yeah, and so um, we were together. We got married when my eldest son was eight months old. Oh. And... I mean, we had we had a good marriage, but I had some really awful in laws. And when they found out that the baby wasn't, the baby his, wasn't his, yeah, 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 everything changed. And now, did he like tell, or did, was it always? I, no, I I told him okay. to tell okay. them. He didn't want to. And I said no. Yeah, because I would think he probably wouldn't even want to. He was, yeah, he, he did. Yours that was mine, honorable so. of you, but at the same time, you probably should let him just go. Yeah, down. I, I, um, I mean, technically, it's here. He was there for the yeah. whole pregnancy. Yeah, and after. Yeah, you know, and after. Um, you regret letting him tell? No, hmm. no. But you know, all all of the people that spoke so badly about me. None of them are here. Hmm. 
Say that. I didn't wish him any ill, but none of them are here. Mm. And when I moved here, some of them moved here behind me. Wow. So, you know, you have to be very careful about how you uh, tear people down because of their um, mistakes, bad choices, especially early on in life. You know, you, you, um, we, we all make mistakes. I would have never known, never guessed in a million years that I would be doing what I'm doing. Um, so, and 17 and pregnant. So how, uh, how old was, uh, how long were you married versus how long were you married? Three years. Long, married for three years? Mm-hmm. What about you? I was married two. Two years. Cool. What made you, uh, what, how soon did you get your second husband? Um, let me see. Um, I was in Georgia. Okay. So, I don't know, maybe 20 years. Okay, twenty years later. So you, yeah, yeah, you really got used to being on your own. Yeah, yeah. Um, now I was in a couple of long-term relationships, mm-hmm. but I knew that they weren't marriage material. So what made you do this second marriage if you was twenty years later? Um, he must have really wild. I met, I, I met a guy that was just. Um, I just thought he was absolutely wonderful, mm. and um, he was. But he had a drug addiction. Mm. 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 I done heard that before. And I was with him 10 years. That's a hard one. Yeah. So he, you know, he just wasn't, he just wasn't willing to do what it took to to get clean and stay clean. Did did it, it, that addiction occur before you met him or did it happen? It was before I met him. So I didn't know. Yeah. That's what I heard. I done heard other women with those experiences. They didn't know. I didn't know. They're functional yeah. drug addicts, and then it's just hard. It's, yeah. Especially if kids are involved. Yeah. It's very hard. Yeah. And he um, he was the kindest man. He loved God. He could sing gospel. He'd make you lay down on the floor. Mm. But the the oh, yeah. addiction and and the pain, you know, that he was medicating, obviously um, would not allow him to do what he needed to do and it obviously it soon it quickly it killed him about 10 minutes 10 years later mm. yeah all right because i'm interested i yeah. don't want to know the third time the time uh-huh. how you get the third one um i was you left at that one i was in the package store and I was, uh, <laughs> so I was. <laughs> she went from the beach. And you're right because I went to buy some reefer when I met my second husband. He was there. <laughs> Not the reefer. We called it reefer. He was a customer, not the owner. <laughs> oh, what you get? Oh, oh, look, I do reefer, not that right there. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. 
Should have known when he walked up, the oh, man said, you no. want your regular? No, you know what? <laughs> oh, my goodness. But I was in the package store. I was going to a barbecue, and I went to get um, a, a bottle of Crown Royal. Okay, oh, okay, the purple bag. <laughs> purple bag. Do women say the bag like men do? Uh-uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Back in the day, you put your money. You used yeah. to save pennies. Yeah. 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 It was the best bag. Boy, they tied on to their jeans, and it just yeah. men. I mean, I know the young men would tie it on to their jeans and just wear it. It's just like a souvenir piece. Yeah. Right? yeah. See, yeah. look, look. Even <laughs> back in the day, just tying it. Yeah. Cal, don't bring can. that back, Cal. Cal, I'm about to bring that back. <laughs> I just kept them though, because I said I would use them as gift bags yeah. for men, right, yeah, you know. Right. But, but, um, and so I was I was walking through the package store looking on the shelves for this Crown Royal, and this guy. And I, now I had a cousin of mine visiting from Chicago, so she was in my car with one of my grandchildren. So I'm walking through the store. And I'm looking down, and when I look down, I see I'm getting ready to bump into this guy with these big feet. And I looked up at him, I said, I said, I'm so sorry, please excuse me. He said, "Um, No, excuse me, (laughs) (laughs) ma'am. That's okay. He said, That's okay. I want to know who the lucky man is. And I said, so I be looking at old game boy, game boy. That's definitely a line. That's definitely a line for real. Who is the lucky man? Okay. And I said, um, well, if that's supposed to be a compliment, I thank you. And I walked around him. So I got to the other end of the package store, and when I looked, he was standing next to me again. And I was like, now this Negro, because he looked, I said, he thinks I got some money, because he was a lot younger than me. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) How many many years younger? He was 19 years younger than me. Yeah, he was 19 years younger than me. And um, so, he, you know, he says, um, I, I said, who, who, who is the lucky man? I said, there isn't a lucky man. He said, well, then um, can I have your phone number? I said, no, I'm not giving you my phone number. He said, well, why? He said, it ain't no lucky man. He said, I don't understand. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> How am I gonna get this Negro out of my face? Give him the number. That's what I did. <laughs> Cause I said that if he talked wrong, I know how to get rid of him. Yeah. But I said to him, I said, Well, give me your number. Mm. He said, Well, I don't have no problem with that. He said, But just give me yours in case you, you don't lose my <laughs> <laughs> Hey, take note, fellas. Take note. <laughs> Quit accepting that Instagram shit. <laughs> and um, and did you we, call him we, first or he called you? No, he he called me about an hour later. You know, y'all don't do that. <laughs> he, he called me about an hour later, and 
I'm not telling y'all all the rest of that. That's all we need to know. And the rest is a marriage. Find out the rest on Patreon. (laughs) Subscribe to Patreon. (laughs) Um, Look, tell us this. Give some advice to the sisters now that's out here dating and they want to be married. Give some advice to them. What would, if y'all advice to help these young girls get their husband? Y'all done did it. Some of you done did it more than once, but. I mean, I just think, I, you know what? Truthfully, I think the world of marriage. I would love to be married. Mm. Okay. I would love to be married, but I want to be married and stay married. You know what I'm saying? So me loving to be married is is not good in and of itself. The person that I'm going to marry needs to love to be married, married too. too. Yeah, that's real. And if you, if, if, and the signs, um, there's a a brother, his name is R.L. Blake. Are you all familiar with Blake? R.L. Blake. R.L. Blake has a women's ministry. He's, he's awesome though. Mm -hmm. You know, he's got, he's got a book called Queenology and one called Kingology. But he talks about, the characteristics of a man who is really interested in a woman. R.C. Blake. R.C. Blake's right. You're right. And so I think a lot of these young girls need to listen to him Hmm. because they obviously don't know. He's going to have to pay for this. Is is he married? Yes, he is. Okay. And he was was on the other side of midnight. What you mean? Well, he just wasn't. He was burning up. He was burning up like El. Like El. I'm about to say, is he delivered? That's how you know how to get a man. No rumors. That was just a euphemism I wasn't familiar with. He's on the other side of midnight. That's not some shit you're doing in the dark. So, so, so yeah. he used to be a but, player. Yeah. A yeah. player retired. Okay. Yeah. Right. Because I saw the picture, I was like, oh. <laughs> Y'all are bad. <laughs> yeah. So he's been married, I think, 30 years now. Oh, man. Okay. And so he talks to women a lot about, you know, what they deserve, you know, what to look for in a healthy relationship. Oh, he's like Kevin and, Samuels. I don't know. Is does, is he the guy with the long dreads? No, Kevin, he's the one that passed. He's the one that uh, had the glasses. He used to help uh, men and women with their relationships on YouTube. Yeah, I'm I'm yeah. not familiar with him. I don't yeah, think same, so. Same kind of content. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I just think that you have to know what your worth is. Okay. And I remember Steve Harvey saying I was at um, I was at a conference with Iyanla Von Zant and. And Steve Harvey came in the room and he said, you know, he said, God put everything that was worth anything uh, somewhere where you couldn't see it right away. He said he put the, um, he said the gold was in gold mines. You knew you had to beat the rock. And he said the pearls were in an oyster down at the bottom of the ocean. 
He said, and you know, he said, that thing in between your legs, if he wanted everybody to have it, he'd put it on your shoulder. If you go around bumping all day, bankhead bouncing in That's what he said. He said, he said, let me tell you something, ladies. It was about 19 of us. He said, we will do anything for that. Anything. He said, so you better recognize and don't be giving it away, you know, like it's not worth anything. You know, the temptation said, (laughs) I can turn the gray sky blue. I can make it rain whenever I want it to. Oh, I can make a castle out of single single grass. <laughs> I can make a ship shell on dry land. <laughs> they said he, he said I can do it all. Yeah. I would do anything, but I can't get this to you. But let me ask y'all this how and, and y'all can both answer this. At least how, how, at least yeah. yeah, how did y'all um but how do you overcome that part of it though? Because I like, hear your stories and hearing your journeys. It, it kind of doesn't sound not unique, but it, it sounds like history repeats itself. Like some of the stuff I hear going on today, I hear y'all kind of going through too. So how do you um, overcome stereotypes, stigmas, titles, um, and still become successful and, you know, raise your children, get married three times and, you know, still be considered successful women. Cause I think that's part of it too. Like, you know, how how are you able to like break free and just live your life? Because we normally hear older women saying that they felt like they couldn't live life, and now it's starting to. It sounds like y'all live. Some life. I'm, let me jump in one second. First of all, I think you need to learn how to take care of yourself. Mm. Pay your own bills. Mm. You know, do the things that you need to do to make you happy, and not depend on another person's success to do that. Mm. I think that when you come together as a team, that you share in whatever was existing before you came together. But to just uh, to point out a person because he's got $2 and you think that's going to make you happy, no, no, ma'am. What do you think? Um, I found that... Self-esteem has a lot to do with the decisions that you make. And not only that, um, like I was saying in the beginning, that we never know anybody's story, their background, where they come from, what type of situation they were in. And so I'm in reflection to what the word of God says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. And there's a lot of things that needed to be taught to us as black families within the black family structure that we hadn't gotten. So when we get grown, our decisions are based on what we were taught when we were coming up, you know? So a lot of us go in different directions because of what we didn't know. And for myself personally, I suffered low self-esteem that affected my decision-making in everything, whether it was for myself, for my children, uh, how I was going to do for my job, my future, Everything was based on how I felt about me and how I interacted with other people. And I know it's important about who you have around in your circle, around you. I didn't know that that was important about who 
was around me. I'm so busy trying to be accepted. You know, I had bad people, bad influences, you know, around me. And I didn't know that they were the ones that were keeping me down because they had issues too, Mm -hmm. you know? And so until you come to the light of who you are, love yourself, because that's how uh, my marriage ended because I allowed a person, see back in the day, young boys, youth, they thought what they carried in the middle of their two legs was more important than anything else. Uh, they used to go around walking, holding it, mm-hmm. you know, like it was going to run away from them, you know, but that was, they still do. that they was, still it. Do. <laughs> like it was going, you know, that's a precious, that was precious back then. It was really a precious thing back then, you know, and they carried it like that. They were the ones that left a lot of the women with babies, mm-hmm. a lot of the women who got children who were in out of wedlock were impregnated by a lot of those young men and they left them. And so when you tell us that, Oh, they're do women are doing men's jobs. Now we didn't have a choice. When I came into the post office, I, I worked at the post office for 40 years. When I came into the post office, they, um, the men really didn't like the fact that I was there because why the job that I was doing, picking up, boxes uh like back in the day you had encyclopedias it was the world book britannica whatever so we on the truck and they put us women and men on the truck okay you want to make this money get on the truck pick up them boxes right Mm -hmm. so me being a young lady of course i'm gonna ask a a young man would you help me with that say no y'all want y'all women's rights you pick it up like Okay, <laughs> you know, and so their mindset completely changed because we even fought for our rights to get a job. And if it went into a man's category, they felt like do the job. You want to be a man, do the job, right? So what I had to do, I had to take on the mentality, okay, I have to be here. I have to take care of my child. I don't have anybody else to bring income. So I had to change whatever mentality I had and do whatever I had to do just to make ends meet to take care of my children. So, and I don't want to make an assumption, so I want to ask. Mm-hmm. So are you saying that, you know, if the man would have stayed, you would have liked to have been partly. My choice of a job would have been different. Okay. The only thing that I focused on was making more money. Where I was at was going to pay me enough money plus give me benefits mm-hmm. to take care of my children. So, so women always, we were forced to have to go out and get a job that would make enough money to take care of our children. Because we weren't out there trying to get child support. If they went and they impregnated us, Mm -hmm. if they stayed good, if they didn't, we're going to still move it up. We're going to still keep it moving. So, so, I I love this conversation. You know, you did great having these folks here. Because now when I hear it, it sounds like um, we were fed a lot of propaganda, right? Because normally I've heard that same story, but the other side of the story was, well, the man wanted to be there, but the woman ran them out because they were trying to get the government assistance and the child support and the money from somewhere else. I'm not no. hearing that. I'm hearing no, that the no. men basically, just, they, they were making babies like, because what did I tell you? Yeah. In the seventies, it was a sexual revolution. Babies were being popped up everywhere. That's when they came out with birth control later on. Mm-hmm. That's when they incorporated birth control then because they were having babies like, out of wedlock like that. And there were men, young boys walking away and not taking care of their responsibility. So, like you said, some of that women's rights came from a man. And so, well, they, the women's rights was there, but mm-hmm. we were actually walking into a men 
uh, you know, men jobs, Uh trying to make the money so that we can make ends meet. So Mm -hmm. uh, when I came to the post office, there were no women mail carriers, none. Mm -hmm. So when I came in, the first rule to carrying mail on your back, you had to carry at least 60 pounds. (sighs) They would take you to the scale, put the bag on my back, and keep putting the mail into the bag until it was 60 pounds. Wow. And I had to be able to carry that in or because that was one of the stipulations in order to be a mail carrier. Mm-hmm. So we did what we had to do. We had to do what we had to do. You know, so like I was telling you the example about the box with the uh, encyclopedias, in my mind, I'm going to preserve myself. So me and another young lady would just come together and we'd pick up the box together. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you don't want to help me? I'm fine with that. Okay, me and the girls just came together and we did it together, mm-hmm. you know. So it, it's been a challenge for us as women to still uh, accept the men as the men in our lives and their roles and still be able to survive past that. So um, you said you worked there for 40 years. Obviously, you retired from uh-huh. the post office. I've been retired five years now. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank um, you. What did you see the transition in the workforce where it was more woman friendly? Versus what you experienced when the you rules first are started. still the same. Still the same. Yeah, if you come in, it the post office has always been a place where you looked at it as a good paying job. Yeah, yeah that's all I heard. Oh, yeah, you, you and, for the good, good benefits, good, 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 good post job. office right, job. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's always been that. Good so benefit. as we broke the, you know, that barrier of men being mail carriers and women taking on jobs, and typically a man would have, it just flowed that way. It just kept. Going on, okay. You want to do this job? You do this job. So, what did y'all see? Um, Because you know, another narrative we always hear is the you know war on drugs and black men were took out the home, mass incarceration, uh, stuff like that. What were y'all expected a perspective based off those narratives? Well, that was true in Chicago, <clears throat> as far as and I know you all hear about Chicago. Um, literally, there were things being dropped <laughs> in Chicago: drugs, guns. You know, and those things were brought. We we never intentionally went to go get anything. They brought it to us. You know, so Chicago was just a hub for just all kind of crime. You know, where they would, uh, you would walk down the street and you would see them with, uh, what is that, RKR, those R- AK-47. AK-47. Right, they would walk down the street with that. And it was just no thing, oh, in the mid in the middle of the day, they would bust your door open and rob you. Like everything would be happening. Why? Because what do I say? People were bringing things to us so that we can destroy ourselves. Yeah. Basically, that's what they did in Chicago and still are doing it right today. What was it like in New York, my Jane? We didn't. We didn't do that. First of all, they lock you up about a gun in New York. Oh yeah, well, in New York, <laughs> so, guy is different. Uh, you know, the only thing they was doing was selling dope in New York. You know, <laughs> but uh, folks didn't walk around with guns. Yeah. Um, but wait a minute, there was one exception. <laughs> so one day, Bumpy Johnson. Listen. <laughs> so one day, <laughs> I was coming out of a girlfriend's house. We were coming. We was up there doing our thing. I came downstairs and I looked up the street and I said, Connie, that looked like two Puerto Ricans with a rifle. She said, it is. (laughs) I said, 
Dang. She said, come on, run. I said, girl, I'm too high. I can't run nowhere. <laughs> I said, I'm, gonna, I'm just, they're they going to go on about their business. And they did. They came up on me and pushed me in the doorway and said, give me your money. So I said, man, I don't have no money. And I went in my bra and I pulled out this one joint. <laughs> I said, this is all I have. Now, you, you want this joint? That's all I can give you. And they took my pocketbook. And when they went back down the street, they threw it. <laughs> Look, they threw it on um, my baby daddy, my youngest son's mother's porch. Threw it right on on her porch, and I got my pocketbook back. There wasn't nothing in it. What? Well, look, they didn't. It wasn't nothing. They, they, no, they left everything in it because wasn't no money in it. Yeah. Well, when you think about the uh, Black Panthers, how they formed, uh, they had guns. Yeah, all of them had guns. Okay, um, literally, when I was kids, we used to hear shooting all the time. The disciples, we had the disciples, the Black Panthers. Uh, the Blackstone Rangers, all of these gangs were in Chicago. Mm. Then where did they get their guns? You know, so guns was just a thing that all the way up to now, you know, and the the magnitude of it all the way up to today, that guns was always available in Chicago. We used to have them. My mom used to make us get on the floor. We hear shooting and she's, get down on the floor, get on the floor. You know, it was just the norm. You'd hear it, but they would make, my mom would make sure that we didn't get hit. Because we didn't know where the shooting was going to be at. But gangs was just the thing in Chicago. It was just what it was, you know. So So gangs, the guns, the drugs, all of that was infiltrated into different neighborhoods in Chicago. You have to remember now, Chicago was uh, Capone territory, too. You remember they had guns and stuff like that. You know, they had no problem with coming out and shooting you with guns. So you're in the same city. Yeah. Where Capone ruled and reigned, and then we had a mayor. Uh, his dad died, and then his son took over. You know, so the Capone thing was the real. syndicate was real there mm-hmm. in Chicago. So we dealt with all of that. So, so what do you think um, the issue is with our young men killing each other today in Atlanta? Well, I'm used to back in the day when you settled, they did they fist. You know, that was the way you settled. If you had aught with me, the men pulled up their fist. Use right? these. So, so you right, live. they used their fists. You, you know, okay, let's day. get it on. You know, and then when you walked away, you know, you had settled. It was just done. You know, but now we at a whole different level. I just say this. I believe. One thing and one thing only, I truly believe we're living in the last days because now we're living in a time where right is wrong and wrong is right. And I never thought I would be alive to see this turn of of events that has been happening and been acceptable behavior, you know, so I don't have, I don't really have a comment on, it's sad because when I think about it, I think my grandchildren and they have to live in this society. You all, the next generation now, like Eldridge and all of you all with your children, you know, this is, it's terrible, you know. So if God, Jesus don't come back and rapture us, I just hate to see this world and where it's going to go to. <laughs> I, when I was younger, <laughs> learning about the rapture, anytime, 
I wake up early and everybody, I don't hear nobody. And I see a piece of clothing on the floor. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. I don't got left in this one. That hey, is so funny. That's yeah, fun. But um, but one thing I will say, I love, regardless of everything that y'all been, because I can tell we haven't got to the half of the life experiences <laughs> y'all been through. I love that y'all have always been committed to the people, your service, and then even in your latter part of your life, you committed to service to the people. It's so funny, y'all both pulled up, both of y'all got advertisement on y'all car for y'all organization. Because <laughs> y'all out here really doing the work. That's a beautiful thing. Um, when you think about access to mentorship that you all had, because one thing that I see, especially when I'm dating, I have a lot of access to older guys that I, that I work with, whether it was Derek Bozeman, Tony Miley Davis, Mr. Griffin, Michael Langford. I've had access to those, but I've dated women. Their access is either their mom or their auntie. If it was a good relationship or if it was a dysfunctional relationship, and then their peers, their age. I don't see a lot of access to women mentorship, right? So was it like that for y'all growing up? Did y'all have access to older women that really gave y'all the game? And do you think that's a reason why it's so different with young ladies now? They don't really have that teacher. Um, I didn't. I didn't, I mean, I didn't I either. Did, I had my mother to say, you do what I say do. Right. And that was the only mentorship right. I had. And a belt. <laughs> that, that's all I had. You know, you don't cross this line. And I'm going to put this quarter behind this door. And when I come back tomorrow, it better be there. You know, you don't come in my house with something that I didn't pay for. And that's the way I raised my kids. You don't come in here. If I didn't pay for it, don't bring it in my house. Don't let the school call me about your mouth. I don't care what the teachers say to you. All right? Do not be disrespectful. Don't let me come up to that school because I didn't have to ask permission to go into the school right. during those days. So, so it, and is that because do women, again, it's a pattern I'm saying, right? Y'all mm. said y'all didn't have it. Is it because, you know, women, we already busy raising our own kids we ain't got time to well the reason i say i didn't have it um i don't know why and i didn't reach out for it. and we didn't have the social media the platforms that everyone have on this day and i tell women and men all the time you all have a well of resources i didn't have that when i was uh, going through domestic violence i would call the police and they would come out and they would talk to my husband, and then before it's all over, they're sending him back in the house with me. Mm -hmm. And back in the day, men stuck with men, bottom line. They always felt like the woman was the, it was the fault of the woman that whatever happened, even with rape. Um, after the rape, the detective gave me a card, told me if I have any more information to submit it to him. When I got more information, found out who it was, I submitted it to him. He did no follow-up. He never got to, with the guy. He didn't never come and get him. They didn't put him in jail. Because 
back then men felt like you deserved or you did something Mm -hmm. to bring about why that person did what they did to you. Mm -hmm. So for you, for them, you weren't important when it came to researching to find out who your uh, person, the person that uh, victimized you. And so I ended up still seeing this person that raped me every day because the detective deemed it unimportant to follow up on my case. You know, so we had lived the life of not really being able to uh, depend on resources. The few, because we have very few, there's a whole lot now because I deal with that area of resources. There is an overwhelming flow of them. So I tell people, you can go Google and find all kind for suicide, domestic violence, drug abuse, anything that you are your controlling issues that you are dealing with, you can find some help. I didn't. I wasn't able to do that. So speaking of that, because uh, I know we're getting close to that time, um, resources. Can y'all just tell about your organization, what you do, provide, and how the people can support y'all in the work that y'all are doing in the community? I start with you. Me? Yeah, I'm with you. Okay. The name of my organization is stemmed from my life experiences. Basically, most of the things that I've been through, um, I feel like most of it is what uh, most people would not have went through. So uh, I had spoke about earlier that I asked God, why did I go through the things that I went through? And that was to do what I'm doing right today. Uh, The name of my organization, again, is called the City of Hope Safe Haven. And I pretty much started off with my mission statement of catering to homelessness and transitional living folks. Um, I really wanted to be able to have a facility like a uh, brick and mortar, but I haven't been able to get that yet. But I do give a lot of resources. Um, every Wednesday, I, I also do f- uh, food insecurity. If you have an issue where you have aren't able to get food, I'm able to provide food every week. I give that out every week. Um, if you don't have a place to stay, I'm able to at least house you for a couple of days in a hotel. Well, we go up to from three days to a week. Um, all depends on our resources, <laughs> how much money we have, but I'm able to help them be able to get some type of services. Once we put them in the hotel, we also make sure, do a follow-up, make sure that they're good and uh, able to go to some type of resource shelter, uh, some type of place that they can be able to know that they'll have a roof over their head. Um, pretty much uh, right now, uh, we pretty much would do whatever job, uh take care of uh, any controlling issue that you might have, counseling service. We offer a lot of wraparound services too. So if you're interested in contacting me, again, my name is Alicia Washington. Uh, You can find me on any social uh, media page. And I have a website, cityofhopesh.com, www.cityofhopesh.com. And you can find out all of the services that I have. And we'll put the links in the show notes, too, for people to just be able to click on it. Okay. All right, Ms. Jean. Well, uh, again, my name is Dr. Jean Hudley, and I'm the founder of an organization called Boys to Men, and most recently rebranded Girls to Win. Uh, <clears throat> what we do is we provide uh, life skills training, anger management, conflict resolution, health and wellness, self-worth, self-esteem, etiquette, both table and cultural etiquette, and we also uh, provide technical skills. 
through our various partnerships. Uh, we take the kids on field trips to get them out of the city. I just took 13 kids and five mentors slash trainers to Sassafras Mountain, which is on the borderline of North Carolina and Tennessee, and we stayed there for three days. That's something that we do at least twice a year. Um, and there we teach um, self, uh, self-respect skills, um, personal responsibility. Um, the kids have the opportunity to uh, participate in, in leadership programs. And so um, that's what we do in general. We went horseback riding. We also cast for a play that we're uh, performing at our yearly event, it's called Boys to Men, Sneakers and Tucks, and it's December 3rd. It's our seventh year um, holiday gala. So um, that's what we do. We, um, we go to another place called God's Farm where the kids are taught carpentry, auto repair. It's on 58 acres of land where there's a full swimming pool, they have archery, a basketball court, just a host of opportunities to learn and and play. So that's what we do. We mix learning with play. And um, again, we could be reached at boys to men, girls to win.org. That's our website. Um and um, reach out to us, and you can get the other contact information, which I'm still trying to remember. <laughs> we'll put it all again. We'll put it in show notes. I, I just want to personally give you, ladies, your flowers. Like I've seen the work uh, longer with you, Doctor Hudley, because we've been knowing each other for so long. But in this short amount of time, I just see how committed and passionate both of y'all are. I uh, I honor that. And I thank y'all for that. And I'm here to support as always. And uh, like I said, I do have an engaged following. So preferably they will look you all up and begin to support the work that y'all are doing. Um, thank you for sharing your stories. Thank um, you. Thank stories you. Stories so matter, man. Right. Experiences matter. Uh, black voices matter. And I feel like you as black women, seasoned black women, y'all have experiences that a lot of the young ladies have not been able to hear. And they hear it from their peers. So I thank y'all for being able to come on here and be authentic, transparent about your experience. And I believe you're going to help some people today with this. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having us. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. To my listeners, I told y'all I was going to have this interview. Quit playing with me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We definitely have to do it again. Yeah, yeah. This this is part one. It's part one. Let's let's make another one happen. Uh, To my producer, Keith, always holding it down. To Cody the shooter, to them young boys in the back. Yep. We see y'all. <laughs> uh, appreciate y'all. We said this every week. We love y'all. We need y'all. But most importantly, we can't wait to see y'all next week. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Just Eldridge Podcast. All right. City with T I outcast and ooh we everybody know about Atlanta, it's just a cool G. Everybody know about the scammers, by the trappers, and what we living now. It's just that lifestyle. Turn on my podcast, I'm tryna hit it real now. Hear perspective, we wanna keep it real now. Every day we on the grind. Sometimes it's hard to tune out the outside. Oh, oh, oh. It's just Eldridge, it's just Eldridge.
podcast. Tune in on the podcast, yeah. Real things, you know we gon' last, yeah. Kick it back, kick it back, kick it back.